if you know anything about his salvation, if you know how he got saved, he was looking for the Lord for a long period of time in a way that it wasn't biblical. And one night, he's running away from a storm, horrible storm, on a field. He was almost hit by lightning, and he goes into a church where there were two old women on the front row and a preacher. The preacher wasn't even a preacher. He was a lay preacher helping out because the actual preacher of the church was away. Similar to our context right now. (laughs) The only thing the so-called preacher did, because he had no preaching talents, was repeating a verse from Isaiah on and on and on and saying, look to the Lord. The verse was, look to me and be saved. The Lord was saying to Israel, look to me and be saved. And the preacher kept on repeating, look to the Lord, look to the Lord, believe in him, look to the Lord. And Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, was saved. So I was preaching, I was preaching, (laughs) I was praying this week that this message may be that one shelter from the storm and one encouragement for you. Look to the Lord. So let me pray one more time and we'll dive into the text. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I want to do this in your power. Lord, as I pray this week, I pray that this would be an encouragement for all of our hearts. This is not my word, this is your word. It's not my sermon, it's your sermon. Lord, use me and empower, enrich our hearts and put put a fire in it for your name and for your glory in this world, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Right. Um, Colossians 3. We pass from food and drink to something quite different. Let me read the text first, and then we'll see what we're going to do. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above. Not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life right now is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's, uh, I have three points. I'll try to make it as short as possible. I have three points to the sermon. Uh, number one, Paul calls us to see five amazing realities in, the, in these four verses. Then, number two, Paul calls us to have a new kind of mindset that is fit with those five amazing realities. And then finally, he tells us how to get that mindset. So let's dive in. First amazing reality is the reality of God. Just look at these two verses, 3.1b and 3.3. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
without the external objective reality of God, nothing in religion makes sense. By the way, happy Reformation Day, which we're celebrating today without trick or treating, but no, it's your birthday, sorry, it's just, (laughs) without the reality of God, nothing makes sense, nothing. It's just make-believe. Many religious people in churches act like make-believe without the reality of God. And probably you know, surely you know, life is more complicated than atheist, theist, right? Non-believer and believer. The spectrum is so wide because of that reality. The objective reality of God given to man in this book. And Lee would say in the new American standard. (laughs) Right? The reality of God is a book that has an enormous importance in our lives. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not an ism. It's a book. Many people live their lives as if God is an idea. Many people live their lives as if God is a myth. And no wonder the world looks at us as Christians and says, well, I mean, that's your idea. I have a different idea. Today, the concept of God looks something like this. If your belief in God helps you to be a good, healthy, helpful, whatever, person, then it's fine. If not, we don't accept it. When Paul says that Christ is at the right hand of God, or that in number in verse 3 that your life is hidden with Christ in God he doesn't mean your life is hidden next to an idea or Christ is seated next to an idea the god of colossians 3 is the god of colossians 1 it's the god who created everything it's the god who offered humanity an image of himself 116, 115, right? Christ, in in whom the fullness of God rests, 119. Jesus, the Son who holds all things in existence, 117. Jesus, the Son infinitely loved by the Father, given to bear the punishment of the, sorry, of the world. The world is the creation of God, not God, the creation of people. So Colossians 3.1 pulls away the curtain, as does the Bible as a whole, on who God is fundamentally. Verse uh, point two. 
Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Colossians 3, 1. Seek, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There are three things here I want to point out. Christ is above. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Number two, he's at the right hand of God. And he is seated. A few words about each. God is above. Christ is above. He's not just above the clouds. He's not just about some stars or the Milky Way. He's, about all the, he's above all the stars and all the space and all the galaxies. Do you know the famous uh, Russian uh, astronaut Gagarin? He went to space and he became famous for a very stupid comment saying, well, I went up on, into space and God was not there. Hence, there's no God. And... C.S. Lewis, in an amazing image, he says, well, Gagarin had a contextual problem because God does not reveal himself in creation as in if you go from floor one to floor two. God reveals himself in creation as if Shakespeare wrote himself into a play. If you know what I mean. Namely, God created the world and in order to, he re, to, to reveal himself to the world, had to send his son, had to come himself to the world. Otherwise, the world would not be able to know him. And still, there's a mystery in this. He is, he is above, but he uh, came into the world. The incarnation is still a mystery to the world. And unfortunately, a reason for many not to believe. Because God is not an idea anymore. God became tangible. God had blood all of a sudden. God had smell. Probably Jesus smelled of sweat. Jesus hurt. Jesus cried. He was angry. Right? But without sin. Number two. He is at the right hand of God. This is the place of highest honor, glory, and power. Paul says in, first, uh, Peter says in First Peter, he is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. All the powers in the universe are under Christ. He is above not spatially, geographically, but spiritually, creationally. Through him and to him were all things created, right? He rules, and he doesn't just rule, but he reigns, which brings me to the last point. He is seated. Christ is not walking around the throne of God thinking, what's going to happen? He is seated because the cross was enough. His blood was enough. Him being resurrected was enough for all sins to be paid. 
one of the biggest, more, most important statements in the whole Bible for a Christian is right here. You have died. Right? So Christ is seated, is seated, seated. He's not standing, he's seated. It's done, it's finished. And he's coming back. Point number three. Your death is behind you as a Christian. Colossians 3, 3. You have died. 3, 1. You have been raised with Christ. 3, 3. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have to marvel Not because I say so, but you have to marvel at the fact that the most horrible thing that could have happened to you is behind you. Anybody afraid of death? Anybody afraid of dying? You're dead to the world. You're dead. It's finished. It is done. You, like Lazarus, will call, were, have been called out of the grave. Come out, Lazarus. That's where we are. Maybe even better because Lazarus had to die again. What's, how should I, I was thinking as a, as a, as I was writing this down, I was thinking, how do you make people feel this? Because, you know, you can feel something and you can just hear it and not feel it, but you're dead. I'm dead to the world. It's not just a metaphor. It's not a metaphor. I'm dead, literally dead to the world and to sin and to dominions and to the power of sin. How amazing is that? Your most terrible experience of death is behind you. And your most glorious experience of life is still to come. You know, somebody said in a sermon, um, for a Christian, the best is yet to come, always. No matter how horrible the suffering and death in this life, It is all behind you. It cannot be compared to what's coming. And no matter how beautiful and ecstatic and full of passion the glories here on earth are, infinitely more is coming. You know, when uh, I mentioned C.S. Lewis before, in one of his books he says, um, he, he describes heaven like, like an like a infinitely, infinite range of mountains. You know, you, you're climbing a mountain, you have the impression that you got to the peak. And when you get there, you say, oh man, there's another peak. And then you, you go more and then there's another peak. Those are all peaks of peace and joy and beauty and worship and knowing more of God. In Psalm 16, at your right hand are What? What's at the right hand of God? (laughs) Pleasures forevermore. I mean, how can that be? It's because you're dead here.
the one prayer I encourage myself and I encourage you to constantly pray is to ask God to show us or to grant us eyes and hearts to see what we cannot see is more precious than what we can see. Let me say that again. Ask God that he would grant you or us eyes and hearts to see that what we cannot see here is more glorious, more beautiful than all we can see. Number four, Christ will appear. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Christ is here tonight, right now. We will either die or live based on what Christ decides for us here tonight. We all believe that, I hope. But how much more of Christ we haven't seen? How much more? All the depths of the knowledge of the glory, as Paul says. How much more there is. What Paul is saying is that this hiddenness, this, this thing that you cannot see about Christ, will be made seen. We will have eyes to see Christ in all his glory. You know, we're, we're, we're looking at a flower and it's, it's glorious in what it is, the colors, the shape, or we're looking at our wives or husbands and we're in love or we're looking at, I don't know, describe whatever you love seeing and it's glorious. But you know what the promise is for a Christian when we meet Christ? We will shine like the sun. If somebody would see us as we will be when Christ returns, they would worship us. What do you rest on now? This is what we rest on. He is coming back. It's not like, is he really a... No, he is coming back. How do we know that? Because he already came and did what was most impossible to do. It's an argument for, for the, from the uh, more to the lesser. If Christ came and died, he will come and he will bring us back. Number four, uh, five, sorry. We will, or you will appear with Christ. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's not just the hiddenness of Christ that will be, um, will appear, it's our hiddenness as well. Again, Jesus said, that we will shine like the sun at his return. You know, Jesus told us that we should go out into the world and shine a light in such a way that on, when, on the day when God visits them through his spirit, they will give glory to God. But you must wonder, Jesus, aren't you the one who did the most good deeds in this world? 
he was. What happened to him? What did people do to him? There were a few who glorified him while he was alive. But what did the rest do? They killed him. You know, Peter says in First Peter, he says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. Why? Because that's what happened to Christ. They killed him. But you know what? We are already dead. We are dead. Why are we ashamed to talk about Christ? We're dead. We don't care. Somebody lives their life. Oh, this guy's a Christian. So what? We're dead. Dead people don't care about the fact that other people make fun of them. You know, it would be so sad at the end of this, this life to have said throughout your whole life, you know, this is my real life now. This measure of holiness, this measure of purity, this measure of, I don't know, God-centeredness. It's, it's enough. I don't want more. It would be so sad. We should constantly, constantly, constantly want more. To want to appear with Christ in glory. Those were the five realities, amazing realities that I wanted to point out. Point number two, the mindset. The mindset that Paul tries to help us get, a mindset that is matching with those five realities. He says, set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. Now, from the point of view of this sermon and from my point of view, those, when he says um, things that are above, he means those five things that I pointed out. God, Christ seated at his right hand, we are dead He will appear, and we will appear with him. Set your mind on that. What are you setting your mind on? I mean, in the morning, you wake up, you know what's coming, you know the week ahead, you know the meetings, you know the people, you know the context, you know the noise kids make, you know everything. What do you set your mind on? Paul says in oh, Paul says in Philippians 2.5 Christians, us, Christians in Philippi have this mind among yourselves which is, in your, which is yours in Christ Jesus. There's a mentality, there's a way of thinking about life, there's a way of understanding things in our lives that matches with who Christ is, where Christ is, and where Christ comes from, will come from, will come back from. There's a mindset, there's a way of thinking, feeling, interpreting, understanding things around us now that matches with that. And what Paul wants is to, for us to live that way. 
I mean, the, Paul was not making any intellectual exercises with the churches that he was writing to. He wanted them practically to live out the, fa- the gospel. That's it. The minimal knowledge a Christian needs to have is very small. That's why different people for different ages, for different social statuses can believe in Christ and be saved. Not just smart people or older people or young people or strong people or healthy people. No. The, 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 um, the, the, the spectrum is very wide. Which means the knowledge that we all know and saved us all can be understood at any level. A six-year-old kid can be saved because of the gospel. So he, Paul was not playing intellectual games with the churches that he was writing to. Those churches were not in a context where they wanted intellectual games because they were dying for this truth. Nobody dies for intellectual games. So... They were, he was trying to build in these people through the spirit, through the word, a mindset that would help them withstand, uh, uh, what's it called? Persecution. And on the other hand, rejoice while being persecuted. That's the idea here. Paul is saying, be shaped in your way of thinking and your emotional life, in your pattern of attitudes and responses, your preferences in people and entertainment and clothes and jobs and leisure, in this, in this total set of your mind and heart, be formed by the reality that are above the realities of God. The reality of God, the reality of Christ seated at the right hand of God, the reality that you have died, the reality that um, uh, he is coming back, the reality that when he comes back, he will reveal who you, who we truly are. Set your minds on that. That's the mindset of heaven. That's the mindset of heaven. It's the mindset that rests on Christ. And finally, point three. How do you get that mindset? How did the church in Philippi get that mindset? How did the church in Colossae get that mindset? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Let me say something out from the beginning of this point because I'll probably forget. You cannot, you cannot... We're how many people? Four, eight, 11, 12 people in the church right now. We cannot have this mindset if we're not dead. Is that clear? We cannot have the mindset. We cannot live according to the five realities. The reality of God, the reality of Christ seated, the reality of him coming back, the reality of us being revealed, and the reality of the fact that we are already dead if we are not dead. The question is, I was mentioning this last time, are you born again? Am I born again? Do I, is Christ my highest treasure? Do I stand on the fact that he died for me? And do I stand on the fact that he's coming back to bring me to eternity? That's it. That's it. Now, how do you get that mindset? He says it very clearly. Seek the things 
that are above. Pursue them, chase them, track them down, seize them, hold onto them, gaze at them, dig into them and understand them, taste them. What is them? Those five realities. The reality of who God is revealed in the scripture. The reality that Christ is coming back. He's seated at the right hand of God. The reality of the fact that I am, I'm going to be revealed with him in glory. The fact that I am dead. You know, you walk on the street very differently when you know you're dead. You really do. You look at your wife and you look at your kids in a very different way when you know you are dead. We, cre- we seek, as people, we seek and we long for and we crave things according to the way we understand life, right? If my highest treasure is my job, everything I do is for my job. You can fill the, the gaps. But as Paul says in, this, in these four verses, he says, we are in Christ already. Already. The citizenship has been legally already given which means you can get this mindset, which means you should be, we should be living our lives according to those five realities. So finally, my encouragement for us is, again, seek them, find them, meditate on these five realities, which are the reality of who God is revealed the scriptures the reality that Christ is seated at the right hand of God the reality that your true life is hidden with Christ in God that you are dead Christ that Christ will appear in power and glory and finally that you will appear with Christ shining like the sun let's pray father in heaven lord maybe maybe in one of these hearts present here tonight a comment will pop up thinking, well, yeah, that sounds good in theory, but life is maybe not like that, actually. Lord, help us to learn from Paul. Because he said that he, in everything he does, he imitates Christ and that we should, we should imitate him. Lord, help us Love your word. Help us treasure the reality of who you are as you presented it, as you offered it to us in the Bible. Help us from all our hearts wait the return of Christ. Help us walk on the street and talk to people as if we were dead to the world and alive to God. Help us desire to be 
revealed in power and glory when Christ returns. I pray this in Jesus' name.